on today's episode of Diving In. If you want to write the great song, well, yeah, maybe you, maybe you will, but you have to write another one. And so it's like, rather, I'm trying to retrain myself not to feel like I'm on a hamster wheel, but instead to be like, yeah, that's the deal. That's what life is. Welcome to Diving In, a podcast aiming to explore the deeper themes behind the entertainment and content creation industries. I'm Leslie Mosier. And I'm Marissa Mullen. Let's dive in. Today, we have a very special guest, Andrew McMahon. He's had an inspiring journey of being the frontman for three different bands, Something Corporate, Jack's Mannequin, and Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness. Massive fan. <laughs> as well as going through leukemia at the age of 23. We talk about having success in the music industry at such a young age, his experience being sick and integrating back into life again, and expressing himself through music and creativity. Andrew is also the founder of the 501c3 nonprofit Dear Jack, which raises awareness for young adult cancer research. He's a massive inspiration to me, both musically and as the fellow founder of a foundation dealing with cancer. I discovered Andrew's music at 13 years old, and going to live shows as a teenager was the reason why I wanted to work in the music business in the first place. I ended up volunteering for Andrew's nonprofit, the Dear Jack Foundation, on the Vans Warped Tour in high school, and over the years, Andrew's become one of my mentors and friends. In this episode, we talk about how hardships can propel us forward, and we dive deep on the highs and lows of tour life and the realities of being a full-time musician. So let's dive in with Andrew McMahon. Welcome, Andrew, to Diving In. Thanks for having me. Yay. Yay. <laughs> How's it going? It's going well. Yeah. I got a day off here and just hanging out in the hanging out in the home studio. Amazing. So, before we get diving in deeper into the uh the questions later on, Leslie, do you want to explain how the podcast works? Absolutely. So, Basically, we start off with more surface-level questions and conversations, typical to that of what you're used to in a normal interview. And as we go on, we dive deeper and explore topics that are more personal, like internal struggles of the entertainment industry, imposter syndrome, and overcoming health struggles. So we'll start off kind of surface, and then we'll really get get to some heavy-hitting questions. <laughs> We're good. We're going to wade into the water, so to we're speak. We're wading yeah. in. We are okay. wading in. I got you. See, the, wa the water's water warm. Yeah, the water's yeah. good. Fair enough. I think <laughs> we're I have in Hawaii. on my shoulder. Yeah, yeah, perfect. That sounds good. <laughs> to start, we are going to start on the surface Bahama water with some rapid fire questions. <laughs> oh, no. So three questions. You can answer however you feel. Favorite dog breed, favorite oh. cheese, favorite recent song. Okay. Dog breed, Wheaton Terrier. Soft-coated Wheaton Terrier, so my Doris. Uh, yes, Doris. Favorite cheese. I mean, I like the I like the Daffinois, like the the softer oh, cheese, yes. right? That's I think you know you you've you've instructed me quite a bit on 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 this. Uh, I, I've I've made some cheese boards over at the house thanks to your wonderful book, Marissa. Love it. Uh, uh, I'm honored. Um, favorite song right now. Uh, there's a tune that, that, uh, I just got turned on to called blindsided, but I'm forgetting the name of the artist off the top of my head. Is it Hav, Havdi with two V's? Bon yes. Bear. No, no. Yes. No, it's that you, you had the first one I think is, is the one. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that list is ever changing and constantly expanding, but that there's like this very beautiful piano figure and the words are really, really beautiful. And I had some friends over here the other day and we sort of sat out on the patio and that one came across and I'd say that's a, 
at the top of my list at the moment. And Doris, how old is Doris now, your dog? Doris is 14. She'll be 15 oh, in June. So, so sweet. She's, she's slowing down quite a bit. But sweet. And she's girl. been part of so much of your life. Like, I mean, we'll get into kind of the past 15 years of your life, but I feel like she has just been there by your side. Yeah. I mean, we ha- I had Mikey and Mel, my, my bass player and his wife over over the weekend. And, you know, we were hanging with Doris in her in her senescence i mean she's definitely you know a little blind a little deaf a little all of the above but i i had a moment where i was looking at her i was like man the things that you have seen and seen me and and my family through is pretty insane dogs are the best they there's like no comparison with the bond that you can have and just they're down to travel the world you know i don't Mm -hmm. think i realized that before doug and everything that happened that like no you can you can make it work and bring them wherever you want to bring them if you want to. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start from the beginning. Where did you grow up and did you always love music? Yeah, well, that's a that's a hard question to answer because I grew up all over. I, I, I think by the time I was, uh, I don't know, maybe 11 or 12, I had lived in four or five different states and, and we moved quite a bit. So I was I was born in Massachusetts, but you know, for the first, you know, for the first uh, 12 or 13 years of my life, we moved every two or three years. So um, Massachusetts, Illinois, New Jersey, Ohio, and and then eventually California, which is very much my adopted home. Uh, so that was, I mean, that was a, uh, that was a huge part of my upbringing was just being on the road. And, and so I think it kind of plays into why I do what I do to this day and why I, I'm, I'm sort of a lifer on tour is I'm very comfortable with, with motion. Um, as far as music, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was always a thing in our house. My, my parents were children of the sixties, you know, so there was no shortage of, uh, of like sort of the most classic rock and roll in our house, but I was also the youngest of five kids. So my, uh, especially my three oldest brothers and sisters who were older uh, by like between eight and 10 years, uh, to me, they always had whatever was, was new at the time, even when I was like, you know, four or five, six years old. So, uh, there was always music in our house and I was getting turned on to, you know, to what teenagers were, were into when I was like a little kid. So it's, it's been a big part of my life. Yeah. So fun. And you're a pianist. Did you have kind of a shift where you started playing classical and then all of a sudden you're like, I want to play rock and roll music? Like, when did that happen? It was really the opposite. You know, I I, I started as a writer. I mean, I had I took lessons for maybe, I don't know, maybe a, a month when I was six or seven and I hated it. Um, and And so when I when I rediscovered the piano, I was nine and I discovered it as a writer. And I just like, there was, I was always drawn to it. Um, but I started, I started working on my first song and, and that just unlocked this whole world. I think because, you know, I was, uh, my older siblings were all like amazing athletes. I was like very much not. And, and when I discovered the piano, it was, uh, it was like, Oh, the lights turned on and, and this was my thing. And, uh, and so I was really starting to play like the songs I listened to on the radio first and I was writing music first and it wasn't until you know the little that I had learned from you know from friends and and friends parents who played uh that's when I decided that I would get lessons and so I went backwards and then I studied classical um which I 
did not enjoy at all, but I knew I sort of had to um, have, like have that foundation if I was going to be able to continue and pursue music in a, in a uh, you know, in a professional sense. Um, but I definitely jumped ship on classical as, as quickly as I felt like I had enough theory under my belt to, to write good songs. That's amazing. I love that you discovered the piano at age nine and at that young of an age knew that this was your calling. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, my wife and I have this conversation cause she's always like, you know, fuck you for, for knowing what you wanted to do since you were little. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, you know, of course, like the first thing you do when you start liking music is you dream about, you know, being a rock star or whatever that, that is. Um, I think for me though, it was more the, the viscera and, and the feeling of connection, you know, that, that drew me to it. Um, and so, you know, whether I was sure I would become, you know, a professional songwriter or musician or whatever, I knew I wanted that feeling to be at the center of my life. And the best way to do that would not be to have a day job. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's funny because, um, from personal experience, you know, I grew up listening to your music and, you know, bands in that genre and going to shows and seeing live music inspired me at probably age 13 to work in the music industry. So it's like you, you create a ripple effect and it's just, it's crazy when you just have that moment of, of, it all clicks and you're like, this is what I want to do. And then you set your mind to it and you achieve it. Yeah. Those, yeah. For me, those going to shows when I was a kid, that was like sort of what cemented it for me. It was like, Oh, okay. This is, this is actually the thing. Like I want to be up there where that guy is, you know? And, and, um, but yeah, well, that, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, we, we have some history. You did some, you did some touring, on on the warp tour didn't you do some yeah some, some dear, dear jack, jack foundation a, a, adjacent touring yeah 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 yeah, yeah I mean, we, that's how we that's how we met or i mean maybe we met at a show or something that's, along the, yeah the way, i think but. we met um i remember at warp tour we were we met with you for a dear jack foundation um something i forget what it was maybe some like photo shoot or something it was a long time i think it was probably like 15 years ago yeah. <laughs> or something we looked a lot different back then, i'm sure <laughs> oh my gosh yeah Many hair colors later. <laughs> Marissa and I were just talking about like the passage of time before this. And like, we can't believe how many years. Like, last night we spent so much time just texting back and forth old photos of us in our like emo days. And we're like, wait, no, that was 17 years ago. This is, this is crazy. What's happening? Time is not linear. Yeah. yeah. You're all doing very well. So I think it's, it's worked out in your favor. Yeah. Um, so, how old were you when you started your first band? Well, my very first band, I was nine, and it was called Freedom. Uh, yes, we were. We were. We played Love the. That. We played the talent. We played the talent show in a uh, in a county fair. Uh, it was not. It was. It was not serious, obviously. Uh, but my first sort of real band was the was like the first incarnation of something corporate. Um, we played like a high school battle of the bands. It was three of the five of us who went on to 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 get signed in, in something corporate. Um, we also weren't very good either. And so we kind of played the battle of the bands and, and went our, went our separate ways after that and then reformed, uh, I guess it was the next year in my junior high school. And that's kind of when we, uh, I mean, I just put it, I, I put all my eggs in that basket pretty much early on, but I had some, I had some other bands in the process. I was in a Weezer green day cover band called tweezer. That was, that was excellent. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so, so good. That, yeah, that's awesome. 
How did that all feel being so young and just having that, um, you know, something corporate immediately connect with people like that connection you were speaking about, like your first big project, it's doing what you set out to do. You know, it, it's funny because it, it, I mean, at the time it felt like a lifetime I and mean, we, we started when we were in my junior high school and we were signed, I guess, by, you know, I, the year after I graduated. So it clearly isn't a long time, but when you're, when you're 17, three years feels like a, feels like an eternity, you know? So and, true. uh, and, and, um, so I think it was, and it was such, it, I mean, we worked our asses off and it was, it was, uh, it was so much work and in the best kind of work, but it didn't feel like, you know, at the time it just felt like this was the thing that we were doing and it was just naturally progressing. You know, first it's we're playing the lunchroom and then we're playing some birthday parties and then we're, you know, sneaking into to clubs, you know, to, to play 21 and up shows when, when we're not old enough to even be allowed in the building, you know, and, 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 um, but certainly as, you know, like I, I think probably the first time it really clicked was like, you know, when, when we started getting out of our own city and having, you know, and having crowds show up, you know, and I think that was sort of the moment where, where we started kind of pinching ourselves and going like, wow, this is like really happening. You know, when I was able to like move out of my parents' house and, and get a car, it was like, this is exciting, you know? Um, but I was always so focused on what was next. Honestly, like it, I've made much more of a point these days to appreciate the success I've had. I think at the time I was just so determined that I, I, I probably didn't enjoy it as much as I probably should have, you know, I mean, I had fun, but I didn't reflect a lot. I can really relate to what you said too, about, you know, really trying to live in the present moment and appreciate everything happening right now. Cause even like looking back at the start of Doug the Pug, you know, you kind of assumed Facebook and Twitter and Instagram would all kind of stay that way forever and mm -hmm. everything would always feel viral and big and whatever. And um, I don't know, I've felt a really big calling recently to like be grat like practice gratitude in these big moments and just like always have that rootedness where it's like, no, like things don't always last forever. And one day this will be a memory and I need to like do all I can to be just really present right now. Yeah. I mean, I've been very fortunate that having not learned that lesson a couple of times, I, mm -hmm. I was able to still be around long enough to have learned it and to, to have some success and go, okay, now you're really going to take a breath. And, 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 mm -hmm. um, you know, like, it's just certainly one of the things that when people, you know, you get that sort of that question about like, well, what would you tell yourself, you know, 20 years ago? And that that's the number one thing I would say and say to anybody, especially when I meet young artists that are starting to blow up. I'm always just like, appreciate this, you know, don't freak out and appreciate it because it is it's really beautiful if you can. Um, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have 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 lived long enough to say I, I do, you know. Absolutely. So you are also known as the front man for Jack's Mannequin. Mm -hmm. Where did you get the inspiration to start that project? You, you know, it wasn't like a, it, it wasn't really a, like a thought out sort of thing. It was, it, it started with, you know, the band and I were, 
just we had been on top of each other for so long, the something corporate guys and I, we'd been touring and traveling and and Josh, uh, my my sort of co-writer and, and the guitar player in something corporate, he was going off to sort of work on a side project of his own. And I had like a stockpile of songs that I had written that I was like, well, I'm just going to go do a demo. And originally I thought they'd be demos for something corporate. Um, but that process turned into this very uh, pure creative process, you know, where, um, you know, God loved being in a band, but of course, you know, you, it's a democracy on some level. And so you're, you're, you're sharing the, uh, the responsibilities and the decision-making and, um, some of the songs I, I was going through breakups so some of the songs were really personal and, and I got into the studio and it became this really like just safe and beautiful space where I could flesh out not only how I was feeling about where I was in life and these transitions going on with the band and with my relationship, but, uh, but I was able to stretch out and, and actually just start and finish a song exactly as I heard it in my head, you know? And, and it was so satisfying that, you know, after I had maybe recorded two or three under the auspices of like, maybe this will be a something corporate thing. It just felt so much like this is my thing, you know, and this is exclusively my thing. And, and, um, and so from there it was just like, well, I'll find a way to put it out. You know, maybe, maybe I can get like an independent label to, to throw it out and then I'll get back to making a something corporate record. And it just took on a life of its own. Um, and and yeah, it it, it kind of came out of left field. Honestly, it wasn't until I was probably halfway through recording it that I was like, I think this is a record. I think I need to you know name it something. You know, um, but but yeah, and then that set the stage for I mean what became you know the next the next six or seven years of my life up to that point. Yeah, um, and in terms of creativity, you are such a talented lyricist. I've always loved like all of your stories that you paint and, you know, you paint such vivid pictures in your songs. How does like how do you kind of come up with your lyrical content and how does kind of your real life experiences weave into your music? Well, you know, that's an evolving it's an evolving thing. I mean, to me, most of my work is autobiographical. I don't I you know, uh, my creativity is is I think always been a channel towards connecting to maybe a, a, a deeper sort of subconscious uh, emotion, you know, whatever's under the surface is like, I use the piano to sort of excavate that, you know, the things that I, that I, I have trouble articulating in the world, you know, I'm, I, I use the piano to do that. Um, I think the idea of, of writing a good lyric it, to me, I always say like, rather than write what you feel, write what you see when you're feeling it, you know, that's Ooh, always sort of that. been my, my method, you know? And so, um, so it's really, it's an effort of like, when I'm, when I'm in the middle of something, you know, whether it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going through some sort of success or failure or, or what, what, you know, whatever the, the, the drama of the day is or, or not as the case may be, you know, I try to keep notes of what's around me and what mm. I'm and what I'm connecting with because I think you know you're subconsciously what you latch on to when you're in the middle of 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 a, a moment in life. Those those things really do paint the picture of that that emotion. You know, so mm. um, so it's a combination of that and also just trying to put myself at a piano, whether it's by myself or if I'm working with another writer or producer. Um, and 
trying to turn off the brain and and put my hands on the keys and and see what what channels through and a lot of times there will be sort of a stream of consciousness that will point me towards the story or towards the 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 thing I'm trying to to kind of talk about at the, at the moment energetically too I feel like putting those emotions and thoughts and experiences into something tangible and something that's art you know, kind of clears you from whatever it is that you're holding on and it's no longer a stuck flow of energy and you have, you know, a thing that's taken on a life of its own and you can use it in whatever way you want. And music is just so powerful that way. Yeah, that's the whole point. I think, I think that's why people create, you know, uh, you know, if they're doing it from a pure, from a pure place, it, it, it really is sort of a resetting of the, of the table, so to speak. And you can, you can kind of, you know, you can get on with the next bit of business. Of course, it doesn't work perfectly like that, you know, and you're, you're certainly not going to, you're not going to avoid therapy altogether by writing a song <laughs> as I've, as I've learned the hard way, but, uh, uh but it it certainly when it's good or when when like that that right set of words that turn of a phrase or something appears and you just go like yes that is exactly it um you know i had one of these like last night there i was working on a song last night and it was like you know i'm in the studio right now like trying to like figure out the next sound and what it you know and that's such a challenging process and we finally like hit it last night you know and like i got to drive home all night listening to this song we worked on and feeling like oh we got it and that feeling will last for the next 24 hours and then i will be right back into some fucking pit you know like having to do it over again but but it is that that sort of high of when it works and when it's good that that keeps you sort of that propels you forward, you know, and and it's important to keep that mach that machinery working so you don't get stuck if you if you are you know inclined like I'm sure all of us are to create constantly. Definitely, and it's a natural high, which is important. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's it's not yes. something that's like a drug or artificial that you have to keep you know taking in order to feel it. Like with creativity, you can tap in. You know, it is hard sometimes too when you're feeling blocked, but it is something that when you do tap into it and you do feel that high, there's nothing that really can compare to it. Yeah. It's, it, it goes without saying. Yeah, I agree. And you can, you can instantly go back like to the spot that you were in, especially like when you're on that good high and just re-listening to a song or, you know, rereading something that you wrote, it can bring back all of those good feelings naturally. I mean, Rob and I were driving last night and listening to Jack's mannequin in preparation for today. And, Dark Blue came on and it was like all these scenes from just the times that I've listened, you know, and it was like a soundtrack of a memory just came up and it was so vivid. And yeah, I think it's really important to like just acknowledge those amazing feelings that can come. Yeah. Is that, is that also a trippy thing for you to know that your music has like painted the picture of so many people's upbringings and like just everyday <laughs> experiences? Like that's a pretty massive thing to like actually realize and be like wow this thing i created gives someone else a memory in their own life well i you know i think for me it's uh it's not the main reason why i do it but it's certainly a very close second you know i i, I think you know i don't i mean i i, I certainly it's like, it's humbling and it's really it's an honor to hold that space for people um but i I've always looked at it as a uh, as like a bond, and I know that sounds kind of corny, but you know, if 
a song that I wrote is connecting with somebody or if a lot of songs and like, and they, and you know, they've chosen to follow, you know, some wing of my career or, or a lot of it or whatever it is, or just, a, you know, um, it means that something that really meant a lot to me or something that I felt deeply, they felt too, you know, or they, or it, or it applied somehow to their life that it was meaningful. And so to me, it's, it's just a, another form of communication, you know, and, and, um, and yet expands my world and makes it much bigger, but it feels still really personal. If that, if that makes sense. Um, totally. you know, and, and I, I, I think, the, the, I mean, it, it sort of keeps me, it keeps me grounded. It, it, you know, I think some people, they make, they create things and, and it puts them on a pedestal and they feel further away. And for mm -hmm. me, I feel like it actually, it's what makes me feel closer to earth and to, and to people is, is making things that connects me to them. You know, it's like, that's yeah. why I'm hard on myself if I put something out that doesn't, you know, cause I'm like, I'm missing that connection, you know? Um, yeah. And that's a real driver of, of um, it, it, you know, like I said, it may be a secondary driver, but it's, it's, it's a very big part of my process and why I do what I do. Totally. And speaking of connecting to many people, you're now the front man for the project Ange McMahon in the Wilderness. <laughs> um, your song, Cecilia and the Satellite, which you wrote about your daughter, has 77 million plays on Spotify. Yay. How does that feel to have a song so close to you heard by so many people? It feels wonderful. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, I, citing the same point I just made, yeah. it's like the, the, you know, it's such a, it's such a part of why I do this is, is to reach people, you know, and to, and to feel like I know, I know them and they know me, you know, there's, there's something to that for me. Um, and I think, you know, when Cecilia became a hit, it was like, it was sort of the 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 closing of a loop on mm. on a dream that I'd had since I was a kid. You know, it's not that I didn't and don't keep dreaming of of, of making songs that big. I, if anything, I, you know, it, it ignites that still. Um, but the fact that I got there so many years later, and after two projects and and cancer and and marriage and all of like you know, I lived so much life before that song became yeah. what it did, um, and you know, admittedly, like it was something I'd been trying to prove to myself and to the world for so long. Um, and to have it happen with a song that was so deeply personal and that I loved as much as I did that I don't feel like I made any compromises on uh, was was really gratifying for sure. One thing I am constantly striving to do for my body is lower inflammation. Higher inflammation means more pain and discomfort, and that's the last thing I want. My number one go-to supplement for inflammation is Turmeric Complex by Paleo Valley. I really, really notice a difference when I am taking this consistently. Their Turmeric Complex is made with full-spectrum, whole-food, organic turmeric. Most turmeric supplements only contain one specific compound found in turmeric root, curcumin. Turmeric Complex contains four powerful superfoods, Turmeric, ginger, rosemary, and cloves, the most potent spices for promoting healthy inflammation and protecting against oxidative stress. I'm a huge believer in high-quality supplements for our body, and I truly wouldn't recommend this if it wasn't really my go-to. For 15% off, go to paleovalley.com slash diving in. To kind of switch gears a little bit and touch upon your experience with cancer, um, you were so young, so at the age of 23, was it? 
I, when you yeah, got I turned diagnosed? 23 in the hospital. Yeah, I was 22. Yeah. When okay, I got 22, 23. Yeah. You're diagnosed with leukemia, and you also released Jack's Mannequin's debut album the same day you got a bone marrow transplant. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, like, so how did you, first of all, stay positive, stay creative, have the energy to fight during that entire process? Well, I think because Jack's was. It felt so faded, you know, I, I think because that record was um, was attached to what up to that moment had easily been my most uh, prolific period and f- mo- definitely my most satisfying creative period of my life. Um, and because the art imitated life and, and, and then my life began to imitate the art, you know, I, you know, I, I, it was written as this breakup record, but slowly, you know, my girlfriend at the time, my wife, now we were kind of making our way back to each other. And, and so those, you know, those last songs, dark blue, like those songs were written, I was writing my way back, you know, and, Mm. and then there were all these songs about the hospital and there were all these songs about ambulances and being sick. And, um, and so for me, I just felt when I was put in the hospital that it was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And I'm, I'm not really one of these people that's like, you know, everything happens for a reason. That's not really how I see the world per se, but in that moment, I really did feel that way. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I just relaxed into it. And I, I said, like, I gotta, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a, a, a purity of, of mind that goes with a, 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 you know, a battle to survive. Um, that is gifted to most people who end up in that situation. There's, you know, nothing particularly heroic about it. It's just you, you know that you have to survive. And so all the other shit just kind of goes away and you, and you do the, you do the work, you know, and I was really lucky that, that I, I, that work, you know, it put me on the other side and I, I survived it. Um, Creativity was, a, I mean, we could talk about that for days. Being creative after that was really, really hard. Mm. Um, for a lot of years, you know, it took me it took me a long time to make the follow up record to the the first Jacks album because I was constantly having writer's block and second doubts, and a lot of that was just attached to uh, the the feeling of of being sick and recovering, and now mm-hmm. being a young person in a world that felt much older than than the age on my birth certificate. You know, like what you know what I what I you know I was not twenty three in my mind at that point. Yeah. I was trying hard to be. I mean, I was I was partying like I was twenty three, but I was definitely I had seen some shit. You know, <laughs> um, but uh, but I fought. You know, I you know, I think the the hard the hardest fight was for my creativity in the aftermath and and trying to you know get back to that that sort of solid ground. It took a long time. Wow. How was it integrating back into the touring world? I mean, touring was like my, uh, was like my safe place. I mean, not actually, um, but, but it, it was sort of one space that felt uh, kind of separate from, from reality, separate from the reality of being a survivor. Um, because it looked, as we all know, and Marissa, you've toured, so you know, every day is looks virtually the same. You know, oh, the, yeah. the scene, different the parking sc- lot. <laughs> yeah, the scenery changes, and you and you, but but it's a, you know, it's it's a crowd, and it's a dressing room, and a bus, and an airplane, or whatever it is. Uh, Cold and, pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, and and um, and the only responsibility is to put on a good show, which I love doing. And it didn't for, I didn't have to write when I was on the road. It was like, I could just focus on playing a good gig. And I, 
I had that feedback, you know, so I felt, I felt like I was still the person I was before, you know, the, the hammer dropped, so to speak. Um, but I used it as such a crutch. Like I, I, yeah. I could, I committed myself so, so much to the road as a escape that I, I think I, you know, I think for those, the three years after I, I got better, I think I, I played somewhere in the neighborhood, like 200 plus shows a year and wow. never came home. Um, and that had to eventually, I mean, that was, that, that had to change eventually. And it did. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the hard part about touring in general, but then also in your situation of, integrating back into real life after having cancer going through that intense struggle like you know just on your body and on your spirit emotionally your family with touring too it's like you know you're on the road it's this high it's like a pixie stick we said this in the Megan Trainer episode it's like these moments are like so canonized in your mind as being like magical and so much energy and so much adrenaline and then when you're alone in the hotel room or you're back at home that's when you go into like the low lows because you nothing can ever be that high. So for you, like with the lows, do you feel like you created a healthy space for yourself to eventually to recover from what you've been through? Or like, did it take you a really long time to kind of get to that place? It took a, it took a very long time. It took a lot longer than it should have, honestly. Um, but I, look, I, it's it was circumstantial in a lot of ways, and I also think it was I, I I wasn't really ready to face it, and I just happened to operate in a universe that made it possible not to. You know, yeah. I I think, um, you know, if I had had a if I had had a straight job or or a lifestyle that that kept me at home, so much of what was going on in my brain that was not uh, adjusted and or adjusting back to life would have been you know would have been too much not to deal with right away. And it really wasn't until um, around the third Jack's Mannequin record uh, that I finally said, like, I can't, I need to come home. You know, like, I knew yeah. that something was wrong. And even from there, it took a couple of years before it was like, my wife finally was like, you need to go to therapy. Like, this is just like, you're, you're just a shit show, you know? And, and, um, and that was when, you know, that was sort of when the real healing began. I mean, it was a gradual and it wasn't all bad. I, I, some people, I, I feel like I, 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 I do it a disservice because I focus sometimes so much on what was hard about survivorship because I want other survivors to know that it's okay. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just a roller coaster. And I think for me, what I wanted was the roller coaster to stop and to get back on the real, just the traditional life roller coaster instead of the, 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 like the absolute manic terror, like horror show that, that, that with it, like seven loop de loops and yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and it took a long time, but I had a lot of support and, and it was sort of out of that experience and kind of, you know, getting off the road for a while and, and grounding myself and, and, you know, seeking some help that I, you know, I, I sort of, entered this, you know, the third act of, well, I don't want to call it the third act of my career because like, I, I have many Chap more to come. Chapter yeah, seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chapter three. Um, yeah. but, but that's kind of where the wilderness thing, you know, came from was just, okay, you're, you know, the wilderness was really actually stepping into like a, an awareness of, of myself and my life mm. and, you know, choosing to be like accountable for, for that rather than sort of pushing it all off on, on, you know, something that had happened to me, you know, I, I think I needed to sort of take ownership of my shit and, 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 uh, 
and thank God for it. You know, I'm, I'm, it, it's it's a journey, but we you gotta you gotta you gotta get get to these 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 uh, mile markers and, and keep moving. You know, exactly. And I feel like I mean I'm guilty for this too, but trying to not beat your beat yourself up too much. You know, <laughs> it's like you went through this chapter for a reason because you're here now and. You know, you had to hit those low lows to now, you know, to go to therapy and to seek out this help and then to produce more art that felt more positive to you. So I think with so many people listening to this, you know, if you go through a dark period in your life, never feel guilty for it. You know, never feel shame because it's supposed to happen and you'll get through it on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, I back that. It's funny. Like I had a friend who I had lunch with the other day and she had she'd she'd listen to the audiobook or whatever and and she was like you're really hard on yourself and i was like yeah but i feel like i had to be i mean like to me i was like well if i'm gonna if i'm gonna you know talk about people in my life like i'm gonna make my i'm gonna i'm gonna be most critical of myself you know um but i suffer from that like i'm 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 pretty brutal to my to myself but i i i I'm, I have respites and I'm, I'm not like, I'm, I don't just like run around beating the shit out of myself all day long or anything, but, but in the, in the, in the tough moments, I, I can be a little, I can be a little brutal. Um, six weeks ago, I had a pretty major surgery for my endometriosis and what we're talking about. I mean, I was brutal to myself, like those really hard days of recovery and even the years leading up to the surgery and in the extreme pain, you know, it's like you really kind of meet yourself in those moments. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's just a really beautiful thing to like, look back on it and be like, I got through that. Like I can do fucking anything. Like, you know, you, you find your strength in the dark places, but also got to say your song swim, like Mm -hmm. that really helped me through. So thank you for that. Um, Thank but you. at what point did you d- decide you wanted to create the foundation? Was it while you were in recovery? Was it, you know, because of the success of Jack's Mannequin? Like, what was the moment that you were like, this is something that is so much bigger. I can use my experience to help others. Well, uh, like most things in my life, it's it's sort of, I'm just led there. You know, it wasn't, it, it was, you know, I mean, frankly, like Marissa and and her friends in the early days, like going around and, you know, I mean, I think it was, uh, Adam, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, yeah. and Leah, you know, they, they, I want to, I mean, it was early, early days. There were like these wristbands that were made for, for 11, 11, yeah, 11, 11 <laughs> before, before I even had a foundation. Um, I had this incredible, uh, just up like this, this, this groundswell of support, um, while I was still in the hospital, uh, there were people out on the warp tour raising money for young people with cancer. You know, I had named, I was like, you know, I did it in lieu of flowers, um, you know, send money to the PCRF, which is the Pediatric Cancer Research Foundation. And donations came pouring in. And I did the same thing with Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And donations kept, you know, came pouring in. Um, and it just got to the point where I had seen that there was this gap for um for young people people my age 18 to 39 there there was this like there was this chasm of research and and advocacy and programs to benefit people who were were like all of us on this call um and uh and so for me when i realized that i couldn't steer the funds that people were were raising for these other organizations into uh the cause that really meant the most to me which was 
young adult cancer um, and, frankly, the cause in cancer that needs the most attention and gets the least um, – that was that was when I said like okay let's let's try and start steering this money into the right into the right hands to you know and have them steward this money sort of based on I think why people were raising it in the first place um, and that was a slow process I mean the organization's been around since two thousand and six I want to say maybe two thousand seven um, but it really wasn't until the past six or so years. That I've been able to hire, like hire a staff. We used to be like what I called like a hedge fund for for <laughs> for young adult cancer, you know, because we would get the money and then find other charities that were doing good work, you know. So we would do would bring it to First Ascents, who do amazing outdoor wilderness programs. We would bring it, to, you know, to all these other places, and then finally. Um, we got into a position where we just said, let's take the leap. Let's become a proper, you know, full-fledged uh, nonprofit. And we have a staff of five now, and they are amazing. We have a retreat going on right now for young couples that are that are um, just entering into their uh, remission and survivorship. And, you know, we do these retreats to get couples on a healthy footing um, after after their cancer diagnosis. And you know, it's like it's like a big part of my life now. It's crazy, and I, I I finally feel like I'm in a really good position to to advocate for it. It just feels so like full circle to to kind of help people after you've been through that process in itself. And Leslie, I know you just re- recently started a foundation as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a year ago, we launched the Doug the Pug Foundation, which helps childhood cancer and other life threatening illnesses. Um, after we started taking Doug to the children's hospital, we realized just how much of an impact he could make and with his, you know, social following. Um, and it's, it's been absolutely surreal. Um, I don't think I was quite prepared for how heavy it is emotionally, Mm -hmm. um, and getting to know the families and the children and like the bond that you form with them, um, so I would I would love to hear how how you go through that because you know several months ago we found out um, our first recipient of any grant passed away and I mean it's it's still hard on me like even right now I'm trying not to cry yeah. but um, yeah how do you how do you move through those tough moments? Well, it was I mean it's always hard you know when you lose people that you that you work closely with and that your organization works closely with. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a part of it, unfortunately, when you get into this kind of work. And, and I think for me, especially in the early days, um, you know, there was so much of a need for me to connect with, with, with people that were going through it because I didn't have any other people, you know, and, and, you know, so especially when the foundation really started getting off the ground, um, there was a lot of that happening where, cause we were so small and, you know, I went to a lot of funerals, um, and it's never easy, you know, uh, especially, I mean, you know, you're dealing with children. I'm dealing with these young adults. It's, it's, it's especially hard to see somebody's life cut short who has so much potential. Um, it galvanizes me towards the cause for sure. I've had to be a lot, uh, I've had to be better about, you know, where I, where I engage and, you know, and how much I take on. Um, but, and I think it helps that we have this amazing staff and we have a social worker in house, uh, mm-hmm. that, that, um, 
is really helpful, you know, on all fronts in that regard, because she's amazing with, with patients. She's actually equipped and trained, uh, to, to do that. And, 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 um, but yeah, it's, it's not easy to, to, to see people lose, but on the flip side, it's also amazing to see people win, you know? And I think that, um, I'm fortunate that so many of the people that we work with do survive and, and go on to do great things. And, um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's an, a window into, into, into life, you know, not mm-hmm. when I expected at this age, you know, but, mm-hmm. but y- you see it all. Totally. Speaking of a window into life, to segue <laughs> into the next topic, um, you wrote a memoir called Three mm-hmm. Pianos. Congratulations, thank author. You. It's thank amazing. You. Yes. And to you. Um, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> What a life. Where are we? Yes. Um, But this book touches upon your family life and tough subjects like addiction and depression. What was that book writing process like? Did you feel like it was almost a healing journey for you or triggering to go back there to those difficult times and memories? Well, probably both. Uh, I mean, definitely both. But I think those are triggers that needed to be pulled. Um, I think at the point that that I started digging into the book. I, I didn't really know what I was going to write about at first. You know, it was sort of, it started as a series of essays and then evolved from there. I think, um, you know, you, you start really realizing where the things are that need investigating. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and certainly there were, there were parts of my life that I hadn't really, um, though I've been in therapy for years and I've done, I've done a lot of that work. I'd never really put fully to paper what that was like, and as a writer, when you start, when you start in on such a, a, a fertile ground and something that you haven't completely tackled as a writer, um, it it becomes very visceral. So uh, it was it was hard, but it was also um, essential. And it, and I think getting to the other side of that. Um, for me, it helped unwind a lot of these sort of, you know, internal knots and things that you don't even realize are there until you start really reflecting on them. And, and, um, and I found a lot of peace in the process. It was, it was difficult, but I knew, I think I knew the whole time I was doing it, that is like, this is the work. This is why you're doing this. This is mm. why it's essential is to pull this apart, to find beautiful language for it and 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 confront it. Um, you know, and 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 so and so here we are. <laughs> I mean, I never thought I, you know, in a million years I I hadn't planned on writing a book, but you know, I did. How it. did it feel to like put it out there to the world? Like did you feel super vulnerable or did you I mean, I'm sure you received so much feedback, like positive people connecting to it in their own life. It's like putting a book out there, you kind of have to give it, you know, the grace of the universe to be like, all right, it's you, it's yours now, not mine anymore. Same with albums, which we've, I feel like we've talked about this before, but. It was, it was the worst. I mean, it was just the run up to, the run up to the actual release. It was just, I just felt dread you know like i i i mean i know it's like i'm a pretty happy person i hope i'm not like you know, but, but like i always feel such anxiety about putting things out because when you do something that's so personal as you both know you know and then you 
you know, and you do it for a reason. You're compelled to do it. You have to do it. It's the, it is what, you know, it's why I, it's, it's what I wake up and my rudder just points me in that direction. Um, but, but then, you know, and you're proud and you believe in it, but then all of that sort of fear of just, you're just exposed, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, I always feel that way when I put out music, but clearly this was, you know, this wasn't just me on, you know, on, on sort of display. There's a lot of, you know, hard history and, and relationships and, and things that I wanted to honor by, by, and, and honor the people in them by doing them justice and not being, uh, you know, two dimensional in the way I talked about people in my life. But, you know, it's, it's not comfortable to have to, you know, call your parents or your, or your siblings or, you know, you know, friends and ex-girlfriends and, and be like, well, I just wrote this thing, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it is, it's a position I've not really ever had to fully be in because so much of what I write is, you know, there's a, a layer of, of poetry and, and music and, you mm -hmm. know, it's uh, like cryptic enough, <laughs> it's cryptic enough, you know, this is, this was not, I had to, some I had to fact check this shit, you know, yeah, like and wow. and um, so I mean that's it. Once it was out, once it, like the day it was out and it was done, I I felt free, you know, and I felt peace. But it was just mm -hmm. it's just hard. The run up to those moments are just brutal. I don't know how else to explain it. I mean, you you I'm sure you but, both know, you know. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like we just went through this, Marissa, with the launch of this podcast. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. We, this is like our first project where, you know, I'm putting my face as Leslie and not as Doug the Pug. And same with Marissa with that cheese plate. And it's like we're fully I mean, we're like literally laying it all out on the table with these conversations and just going in. So it was definitely a relief when it came out and everyone's like, love it. You guys are awesome. <laughs> and I was like, this is the most I've ever spoken in a public forum ever in my life. So you better like my voice. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> well, I'm happy, I love for how... you. I'm happy for you guys. That's awesome. Congratulations. Happy for you, Andrew. Thank Look how far we've come. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love how your book ended on the note of, um, you know, Cecilia and the satellite. That was kind of like the, the wrapping of the, uh, the ending of, like you said earlier, taking all of these struggles you've been through and then reaching this pinnacle point of success that was so close to you. Um, did having Cecilia open up a part of your creativity that wasn't there before, in a sense? Yeah, I mean, and I have taken some heat for stopping the book there because I've lived quite a few years since then. But but I, I uh, <laughs> but it felt like when I wrote it, I just knew it was it was the end. I, I like a happy ending. And it was just like, this is a good spot to jump off. But um, I would say what Cecilia has opened up for me is a different kind of drive and a, and a different, um, sort of something that is just absent of selfishness. You know, like, I, I think when mm -hmm. you create, you, you often create from a, uh, you know, it is, it is a, a a sort of selfish process, almost an entirely selfish process. It's about connecting to yourself. It's, you know, the, the, it is, it is you absorbed in your own shit, you know? Mm. And I think, um, the beautiful thing about even just bef before she was even born, when I, had, you know, when we began writing that song and the record that became the first wilderness record, all of a sudden the idea of creating, it wasn't just about 
me. You know, there was now another person entering this world who one is going to hopefully be supported by the work that I'm that I'm doing. Um, but two, you know, there's a sense, I think, a slightly more existential approach to my writing that I, I want it to be instructive on some level to her. You know, not always, but I, there's there's a part of me that that writes to not just explain myself, but also to connect to her and to, you know, for her to, uh, you know, for, for me to understand life enough to have something to share with her that feels like wisdom, you know, and, and, um, and so I, I, I think it definitely tore some layers off of, of just this, this solely, you know, individual pursuit aspect of what I do and, and reframed it as like a family affair, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, and I, and it made me hungrier to be, you know, not successful at the cost of my music or my art, you know, not, not, you know, successful in a way that I would compromise on the things that I'm doing, but maybe to just really double down on doing it as, as good as I possibly can so I can make her proud and take good care of her, you know? I feel like every time you and I hang out, we just like instantly go into deep conversations. Sounds about right. Yeah. It's just, that's who we are. We're on diving in. Welcome. Um, But you said to read The Alchemist. And Mm. I think about The Alchemist in this conversation because it almost feels like you are the man on the journey. You know, it's like you're finding yourself in these situations, right place, right time but maybe wrong place, right time. (laughs) But all of it kind of leads to this bigger story. And with like all of your projects of music and all of the chapters you've been through, it like shows the obstacles that you've been through. But I think in the book, it says like, they're not really obstacles, but blockades. And it challenges (laughs) you to think about your own personal legend. I think the thing that has really helped me um, reframe how I, I look at life. I mean, I've always felt like that. You know, I've always felt like I've been on this sort of meandering, like I, I, I know I'm going somewhere, you know, but, but I, it's, it's always about this forward motion. Right. And, you know, I think a big thing that I, that I sort of took from like, as I started to kind of get help and got therapy and did all these things, you know, like I, I think I always used to, to believe that, whatever I was pursuing at that moment, when I would get to it, then I would have gotten it, right? You know, I, that, that well, you know, right now I'm working on new music. So it's like, well, in my mind, I say to myself, well, if I, if I, if I can record three or four really great songs in the next month, right, then I'm going to know that I have these songs in my back pocket and I'm not going to feel stressed out about the next few because I have them now, right? But I... I'm constantly in this state of reminding myself, like, no, <laughs> as soon as you get there, it's going to be the next thing. So yeah. rather than, rather than, in, you know, it's, it's, and again, it's a corny way to say, like, enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey. But, just in, but, but the truth is, like, you never achieve this thing. It's like, you don't get to, you, you know, you don't say, well, I want to, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds and then you lose the 10 pounds and they're gone forever. You have to like keep, if you want to really, you know, if you, you got to keep eating healthy, you know, you don't, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to write the great song, well, yeah, maybe you, maybe you will, but you have to write another one. And so it's like, rather, I'm trying to retrain myself not to feel like I'm on a hamster wheel, but instead mm-hmm. to be like, yeah, that's the deal. That's what life is. 
you know, you have to get to next week and then you have to get to the next one. So like, what do you do in between to enjoy the process, you know, or how can you breathe in the studio without thinking about is the song done, you know, or whatever it is. And, and, you know, and uh, again, it's like one more page in the, in the, in the sort of book. It's just like, you just, you just have to kind of keep moving, but not, not so manically that you think you're going to get anywhere because you're already there. (laughs) Right. It's It's good to have goals and it's good to kind of project a little bit into the future, but you know, especially with all of the careers that we do, there is no, you know, there's no promotion, there's no um, structure, there's no boss to tell you Mm -hmm. like, hey, here's like, I could be in this job for the next 20 years. And like, I know that I'm going to get a raise every single year. There's none of that. So at the same time, it's like pretty hard to, you know, just live in the moment and not think too much into the future, because you kind of have to be on your toes in these creative industries. But I do love that, balance you know it's like have a a good amount of planning but also don't let that planning define you and stress you out so you can have flexibility to you know create something that maybe will take you in a different direction well that's like a thing that's that's the dance is like the you know if you're if you're too stressed out about what you wish to achieve then you can't relax enough to make something great you know and 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 so you almost have to you almost have to build a life that you know i i joke like i have a to go bag you know like i i i live permanently in my mind like if if it if if tomorrow was over like you know this is the shit i'd sell and there's probably some place i could go and live for a while till i figure it out you know like I, with my family of course but <laughs> like but 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 i keep that to go bag permanently packed in my mind so that I can be as fearless when I make things as possible because because if you if you're so worried about what you create being you know solely being like competitive or going to get you to the next thing you might not make the best thing you possibly could you know and 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 you know it's just a, you just you know it's a reorganization of my brain but but uh you know, we don't have security. There is no stability in what we do. You know, there, there. You know, it, it's just the way it is. But it's also fucking great. You know, and no, we don't have anybody to answer to either. So it makes it hard sometimes to convince yourself to work. But oh yeah, right. <laughs> I'm wearing you, sweatpants right now. By the way, <laughs> I'm fully dressed. I got nice pants on. Are you uh, familiar with Be Here Now with Ram Das? I mean. I, I know the name and I'm I'm I but I, I can't say like I'm I'm deeply familiar now. I feel like you would love that work of his. It is exactly yeah. in line with what you're saying, just living in the moment and like life is literally right now. If we keep thinking too far ahead to the future, we're missing all of the beautiful things that are happening right now. But I believe um it. so what's next for you? Hmm. Speaking uh, of yeah. I know, I know. Tell to, us to go Andrew. back on everything we just said. So, <laughs> I mean, I actually, I had this trippy, this trippy moment this week where I realized it had been, come the fall, it'll be, dare I say, almost four years, maybe since I put out a record. Whoa. I, I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, granted. COVID I mean, doesn't count though. We don't so count. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, no, no. Too. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, for me at this particular moment, it's it's about making music. You know, I, I took the, I took 
COVID to write the book, you know, and, and, um, and then coming out of the book, it took me a minute to say like, what do I want to write? What do I, what do I talk about? And I, I think, um, that's really where my head is at. It's like, I just want to make something great and make something that's really honest. Um, and you know, I'm going to be 40 this summer. Yeah, let's uh, go. You know, and, uh, but it's so exciting. Yeah, it is, but it's also like you, we talk about fear. You know, you talk about the the lack of stability in a business. You know, I would be lying to say when you approach a milestone like that, which otherwise I'm like I don't ever give a shit about getting older. It's not really a concern of mine. But um, you think about that when you totally. are in the entertainment business, you know. And and I think my approach has been like, well, you just need to write the truest shit you can write. You need to talk about that feeling, you know, and find a way to connect the dots on what it is to, to be worried about, you know, not, you know, again, not worried about getting older, but just about like what it is to reflect on having had so much of a life. And are there things that I've learned there? What is the fear that I have about like doing what I do and still doing it well? Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a, it's a big catalyst. Like I'm, I'm definitely hungrier than I've, I've been in a very long time to make something impressive so whether yeah. that wor- whether it works or not is a totally different story but that's the headspace i'm in at the moment i love that another great thing about your career and your music is that you know i feel like your fans grew up with you and now they're having kids who they're playing your music to mm-hmm. and it's almost like you have this like group of fans that are just constantly going to follow you wherever you go which is something that's really special you know it reminds me um when i used to work for guster they're they're the similar thing where it's like love those guys they're awesome. But it's like they have had the same, you know, cult following group of fans for 20 years. And yeah. now those fans have families and now everyone goes to the show together. Like, it's such a great, you know, it's like you weren't a one hit wonder that just had this hit and then is irrelevant. You know, it's like you have this massive group that wherever you go, wherever you tour, people will show up. And I think that's something you have to be proud of yourself for it. And, and believe me, it's like, I'm I, like that. That is something I like. I'm very grateful for and aware of, but weirdly I can't, I cannot create from that place. Like, you know, yeah. like, oh, it, you know, it's like, I, it's, I feel like every day I wake up, it's like, I, I want to fight as if I was starting all over again. I mean, I think yeah. that's why I keep starting all over again. It's like, well, all right, let's try and like uphill battle. Here we go. Yeah. Um, but but I also think, but it, it's, I think it's what keeps me sharp though. I think totally. it, it, it's, you know, not believing that anything is, is a given, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. I, and I, I do think it's like, it, it's easy to get complacent when you've, you know, done something for a long time. And I think for me, it's just, it, I just try really to just maintain a headspace of like, dude, this could go away tomorrow if you don't do your best work, you know? And, and you know, I'll, 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 hopefully I can do, you know, keep living like that. You know, it's, it can be stressful, but it's also like, it's, it's also, I think what keeps me young and, and, and I mean, I have a great time doing it when yeah, I'm Yeah, you're still, you're still jumping on pianos and breaking <laughs> keys. So whatever, 40 schmorty. These knees are in good shape. I'll be training for the summer. Yeah. Where can people follow you online? Uh, so I, I think I'm, yeah, it's amazing. I should know this. Uh, and yeah, my Instagram <laughs> is AMN, the wilderness. Um, I don't go on Facebook, but I'm, I'm sure somebody, I'm sure somebody does on my behalf. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, that's the, Instagram is really the only place I, 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 
I chill. Um, but I love it, you know, and I, I like to connect the people there. So you can reach me there. And then also you can just go to the website, uh, andrewmcmahon.com. And there's also the dearjackfoundation.org, which is where you can go to learn more about the work that we're doing there. Andrew, thank you so much for being our guest today on Diving In. This was such an inspiring episode. You're such an inspiring person. Thank you for everything, the influence you've had on my life and on Leslie's and so many people in this world. Like you've been through so much and you, the way that you write it in your music and in your in your book is so eloquent. So we really appreciate you being on the pod. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Diving In. This show is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. The theme song is by Rob Schinelli. As always, if you liked this episode, please share us with your friends and family and give us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button to be reminded when a new episode comes out. If you have any questions for the show, our email is info at divingin.community. To stay up to date with all things Diving In, you can follow us on Instagram at divinginpod or visit us online by going to divingin.community. See you next time.